Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. I'm Charlie. And I'm Brian. Someone forgot to come in at the time when they were supposed to. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Brian's on the show. Yep, my hubby's here. I'm very excited because we used to do this show together a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And one day, we will again. Yay! He says with much fear and trepidation. (laughs) Um, I invited Brian on the show today because, well... See, we are an Apple family. If you haven't, like, caught on to, like, most of my references that I make in here, like, when I talk about Apple Music and whatnot, because, you know, we are the house that Apple built. And as such, we watch everything through our Apple TV. And the other day, this magical thing happened. They did a sale on a show that we haven't seen for a very long time called Chuck. Seriously, I don't know if it's still going on, but if... You missed it? Like, start looking for these things regularly. It was $20 for the complete series. Like, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Every episode. 20 buck Chuck. 20 oh, buck Chuck. I think that's another thing. <laughs> but it was 20 bucks for Chuck. <laughs> so, we uh, bought ourselves Chuck. And have been re-watching it. And it's glorious. I, I forgot how much I loved the show. I really forgot how much I loved the show. And with Zachary Levi starring in Shazam and me not trusting DC movies enough to go to the Pain Palace to watch it, even though it's gotten fairly good reviews, I, I just. There is much pain and suffering to go to the local theater because they hate the living. No, they, they like the living, just the very tiny living. Like. Small children and tiny people. That's true, because I know some people that don't have the leg problems that I do that have leg cramps from their chairs, because yeah. they're made for people that are, like, under five feet tall. Yeah. And I am over six feet tall. And, and very, very scrawny, which is sad, because the body makeup for this area is a much larger build. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of tiny people. So, in wanting to watch Shazam, but waiting for it to come out later, because I just don't trust DC. I've been burnt too many times. Just too many times. Went, you know, maybe this one. Went to the theater, and nope, nope, not that one. I'm waiting. But I wanted to watch Zachary Levi do something, because he's awesome. And then Chuck happened. It was really smart on their part to, like put it out on sale like that right then because people like me and you who are wanting to catch up with him i love the show we've watched most of season one and i thought all of season one yeah all of season one and parts of season two yeah and the the first thing that i completely forgot i mean completely forgot is that matt bomer is in the show like i complete i don't know why I didn't remember that he played Bryce Larson. Larson? Yeah. Um, But he does. He plays Bryce. And I didn't remember that. And it's probably because I really didn't become a big fan of his until White Collar. And then, you know, I would sit with 
my Anne Rice tweets open and just watch Matt Bomer. And if you don't know about that, oh my goodness, like go back in her timeline to when White White Collar was airing and just read through the tweet. They're, they're glorious. She she is a Matt Bomer stan, like full on. Maybe that's why I didn't remember it was him. But yeah, that that kind of blew my mind. I, I had also forgotten how many excuses they had, especially in season one. Not so much in season two, but especially in season one to uh, have the females be in as little clothing as possible. That that was a real thing in season one that they finally cut back in season two, which I'm happy about. And not just because I'm the gay. And, you know, I, I'm also the trans and I get a little jealous of the ladies' bodies. Yeah, I was just wondering if it was actually during that period of sexier television when a lot of... Um, okay, I'll drop that part because that's accusatory. Uh, a lot of execs were, uh, you know, in this whole, like, ooh, we need sexier television, so they had sexier... Vo- you know, sexier Star Trek, which is... No, that was actually how they promoted that's it. That's how they it's promoted st- it, yeah. It's Star Trek, but, but sexier. sexier. And they did no, the, no, but sexy. Oh, but sexy. Not but, but se- sexy. No, no. No, but sexy. There's quite a few sexy butts on the show. There were. There were. <laughs> and a lot of people in decontaminated nation chambers rubbing <laughs> yes. all kinds of... Oh, I said, boy, that's right. That was Enterprise. That was Enterprise, yeah. Yeah, my bad. Enterprise, the show that you watch because yes. Flox is the greatest character that has ever been introduced in a Star Trek series ever. I will fight you on that. Yeah. Everything else. Season four is great. Yeah. Everything else. You just got to remember, everything else is Star Trek, but sexy. But sexy. <laughs> I, it's It's been a weird show to kind of get back into for a lot of reasons. One, the HD up convert is a little weird at times. And I think it's because the way that they filmed the show maybe wasn't as conducive to the method that they used for upscaling. Like, a lot of it works fine. Yeah. But every now and then... Every once in a while you get this, like... And for me, it was almost like a nostalgic moment because, like, the door behind them got a little... Not a little. Very pixelated. And I was just... I felt like I was watching this on, on... Older cable. I was going to say cable, but I guess I'd have to qualify that as older cable now because, you know, non digital cable. <laughs> the, the analog cable days. Uh, and, uh, analog. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was just like, I had that moment where I was like, oh, yeah. I'm glad the whole show wasn't fuzzy like that, but. I remember when we first got cable installed at our house and we had a whole 13 channels and didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, and I don't I don't mean that pixelated. The early cable days where, you know, it was so pixelated there was like still static lines and stuff that ran up the screen. <laughs> and that's not a joke, by the <laughs> way. It's not I, a joke. It was, I, yeah. It, it, the static which, lines or the, I remember when we got cable for the whole 13 channels. Like yeah. That was, a, that was a thing. There was a day. And and the crazy thing is, is the static lines and stuff was an improvement from the antenna. Oh, so much. Yeah. So much so. Antenna was like, almost like trying to watch scrambled television, but it was only like half scrambled. Yeah. My family didn't spring for cable in my room. So I had to deal with the U- with whatever UHF channels I could get. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that actually does bring back a lot of nostalgia. Some of the weird blurriness that comes in in parts. 
Do you hear my crystal doggy going click, click, click through the house? Um, <laughs> I think it's just become a feature of the house, of the podcast. It's like the wind chimes that blow through periodically. <laughs> um, uh, I think the one that suffers the most from the plastic fantastic is oddly enough, not Mr. O- not Captain Awesome, but Morgan, because they sharpened the detail on his beard within an inch of its life but his skin is uh, awfully very soft and fuzzy like out of not not out of focus but not as high def as the beard and the surrounding hair and he almost especially on some of the earlier episodes where you felt like they were testing the software and then went eh it's good enough and because it does it gets better over time but in the first couple episodes it almost looked like they had an actor on set because the actor who played him couldn't show up and so they just cg'd his eyes and nose like a beard double yeah they had a beard (laughs) double and they just like superimposed morgan's eyes and nose in the hole (laughs) because they it 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 looked weird I'm, i'm just and I don't know, maybe I just got used to it or it did get better. It feels to me like it got better over time. But HDF converts are a weird thing. And that could be an entire episode in and of itself. But, uh, the, yes? So one, one of the earlier questions that we had um, was, what happened to Big G? Did, I know we had some bets on that and theories of our own. Like, I, I, I figured... You know, he lost one what too many. To Mick G? One too many bets. I didn't know if you actually looked up a final answer. Um, Please um, hold while I pause the podcast recording to look up the answer of what happened to Mick G. I have an answer, but before I give it, Brian would like to give his theory. Yeah, because we were we were just sitting there debating, like wondering what happened to him. Because I mean. Chuck was awesome, and he did he did other things after that. And I know that he and Michael Bay were having their little back and forth. And I figured maybe he had one too many bets that he lost to Michael Bay, and the last one was like, "You have to go away." If and you're not old enough to remember that, they literally—I can't remember if it was McGee or Bay who actually challenged the other one to a literal male body part measuring contest. Like yeah. literal, they want to. They one of them actually challenged the other to a pay per view event to be recorded in Las Vegas, where they would measure their manliness as it became turgid and annoying, and see who actually had a bigger one. And the other one refused to show up, but I can't remember which one between actually made was, the challenge yeah like there was there was a whole thing between the two of them and i figured yeah. maybe maybe there was one of the bets in there like was was you're gonna have to just go quiet and go away and he lost and had to go quiet and go away because <laughs> it was like kind of vanished or at least off my radar i i think the answer is he just went quiet because i'm looking at his thing and he's been consistently working since chuck went away chuck went away in 2012 Oh, we miss you, Chuck. But, yeah, apparently he did a series called Aim High. He did a series called Nikita. He's got some movies in here. He did a series called Kevin from Work. I never heard of that one. I've heard of The Mysteries of Laura, but I never watched it. That was apparently McGee. 
Um, so was the Lethal Weapon TV series. I, I knew he was part of the Supernatural thing. I didn't know he was still listed as executive producer. And apparently in 2013, he continued doing that. So, yeah, still doing Supernatural and Shadowhunters. Ah. I did not know Shadowhunters, Shadowhunters. Was, a, okay. was a McG show. And I probably should have because there's a lot of scantily clad people in that. But it's people this time, not just women. Yeah. Yep. He got woke. <laughs> Other, We like seeing half-naked men's, too. Hi, Magnus. How you doing? <laughs> Anywho. Um, I shouldn't have said that. So, yeah. the Okay, the one, the cringiest thing. Actually, I'll save that for after the break. But th- there's one thing that was just, like, so cringy that I forgot had happened. But we'll talk about that in a minute. I still love the characters. I, I Big Mike is like hashtag life goals for me. Like I, I want to be Big Mike when I grow up. I just want to have an office where I get a paycheck and I get to sit in there with my Marlin and my Danish and stuff happens around me and I don't have to cope with any of it. Like <laughs> that's my dream life. I, I want to be Big Mike. I, 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 I need to be Big Mike. <laughs> like, it's not even, like, a little bit. Like, I've been having dreams lately of just sitting in an office with a Marlin in Danish. <laughs> and just being happy. Like, I think I could actually achieve full-on enlightenment in that state. Because, you know, Danish is already close to, like, perfection. True that. And Marlins are just funny to look at. So... I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I definitely want to be Big Mike. The other thing that really kind of got me watching this is how much Adam Baldwin really was the character that he played in there, except for probably without the crazy combat skills. The other crazy, he, he kind of seems to have actually had. Yeah. That, 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 that was weird because, <laughs> you know, as time went on, and it's also kind of a weird show to watch because we we checked out of Handmaid's Tale after season one because it just felt too real. <laughs> like it just it, it hurt my soul to watch the show because I just felt like still kind of feel like we're heading there. But to see Sarah, um, I should get the actual actress's name um, on this show. In kind of the there and thinking of her on Handmaid's Tale, because she plays the wife of the main dude, at least in season one. No spoilers, please don't spoil me on following seasons, because I've read the book, but I have no idea if they're doing anything at all. Anywhere in there. Of course, you have a name that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Ivan Stravowski. I apologize, Yvonne. I'm sorry. I love you. You're a great actress. But it, it, I don't know. There's something just almost creepy because I knew her from Chuck. And when you get those like flashbacks of her on Handmaid's Tale, and you see that she was this like committed, independent woman. It's like making this weird, unfortunate, like fanfic I will never write. 
that like she and Casey ended up together and that's how the Handmaid's Tale started. That would be terrifying. But and how the Handmaid's Tale would start. If you think about how the story goes between her and her husband mm-hmm. in the Handmaid's Tale, like basically she and Casey ended up together and that's why we need Chuck. Yeah. See, these are the weird things that happen when you don't watch a show and then go back to it. So, okay, I said after the break, we talk about the cringe. We have to talk about the cringe. Lester and Jeff with the camcorder. Oh, yeah. Shooting down women's chesticles from the, like, delivery girls and stuff. And... It's played off in the thing that everybody kind of knows they're there and it ends up saving the day and being the thing that helps them actually win the case is their quote unquote pervert video, their perverted habits. That would never fly today. (laughs) Like that was one of the first things that like, I'm just sitting there watching that going, I remember them being like pervy, but they're not going to, oh, they are. They are. Like, that's so invasion of privacy. Like, uh And that just shows you how much culture has changed. Yeah, from, even in just the last, what, seven years? Well, that would be, what, 14 <clears throat> years? From 2004? What, 2005? Oh, yeah, I was, I, was saying, I was saying 12. Yeah, from 2005 yeah. to 2000. Because that yeah, would be season years. one. Yeah, season one would be 2000. Yeah, it just shows you how much things have changed, because I probably just laughed at that when I saw it on its original run, and didn't have a moment of sheer and utter, like, complete cringe. Yeah, it it got even worse, because my brain went into the whole thing, and then I went, oh my gosh, she did still give consent. It was part of a transactional exchange for putting the bugs in the place. And I went into this whole weird, like, like very strange, uh, <clears throat> you know, thing in my whole head. And I was like, wow, we've really, I mean, still had a whole moment of, like, you know, cringing and stuff. But yeah, it was because like, they do make it clear that she knew she, that they were doing it. She she was distracting them with her yeah. cleavage. and So that she could put the bugs so in the place. So she could put the bugs in the place because she was a fulcrum agent. And it was, you know, they're very consistent about, you know, an agent has a job and they use their assets. Uh, to get the job done. Yeah. And in this case, she knew they were pervs and they would keep reordering. Yeah. And every time she came in, she added a bug. Because that's how he figured out the bugs was the number of bugs. Because she'd been there 29 times, there were 29 bugs. So it was... It was a, that's where I went, oh my gosh, it's a transactional exchange. I'm like, oh my... That's a lot of thought that just went into something that... Like you said, back then I just laughed at and went on. I didn't even consider like... Was there consent? Was there not consent? How could you, you know, like trying to derive all these other questions and, you know. And I I feel like this would be a show that would be so messy to try to do a feminist critique of because just dealing with the characters that we have with the general and with Sarah, you, you have kind of one message and one take for them because Sarah is a fully fleshed out character. She's while she is eye candy in a lot of the episodes, especially in season one, she is very fleshed out and becomes even more so in future seasons. As we start learning about her past, her family and 
you know, how she got to be who and what. Even through the whole thing, she is a much more fleshed out character than either Captain Awesome or um, Casey. Yeah. So there's something very interesting to say about that. Though, you know, the very obvious tropey will they won't they thing that they're doing here it just kind of i don't know if this is true or not because you know how people like to build their own legend but the people behind um how i met your mother have often claimed that they made that show with dvd sales in mind that they wrote the show so that every time you watched it you'd catch a little something here there and yonder and that could be them tooting their own French horn, or it could be something that they actually did. Considering the many layers, at least in the earlier seasons of the show, that may actually be accurate. But you can tell that this show started having an idea that that was something important. Because you can see them trying to layer those meanings in, because by this point, I think The Office had already been saved from um cancellation because most people forget that it was canceled after season one yeah and it was the sales of the dvd box set of season one that convinced the network to bring it back and it was this is an era before streaming really became a thing even though we watched it streamed i wish i could remember the name of the stupid app all i remember is the icon was an owl but oh yeah. It, it was one of the ones that did not survive. It was beat out by Hulu, and I can't remember the name of it. But we actually watched it on a streaming app way back when, because we, de- we decabled really early. But you can tell in season one that that was not a thought, that they were just making a weekly serialized television show that may eventually be syndicated. So... It's not as serialized as a show. Like, it has a few of those serialized elements trying to come in with the, what are they going to do with the Intersect? And, you know, what's going to happen to Chuck when the new Intersect gets turned on? And those elements are kind of serialized throughout season one, but it's very much just a Freak of the Week type show where Chuck flashes on a thing, they deal with the caper whatever whatever it is everything gets reset to where it was at the beginning of the episode by the end of the episode so yeah maybe chuck and sarah kiss but by the end one of them's having cold feet and they kind of walk it back like it very much resets and you can it's something that was very common in you know pre-streaming especially pre-streaming, but even pre, you know, DVD box set times. And you can watch that eroding in season two, where they're starting to look at, we kind of want this to be rewatched and people to see this over and over and over again. And that's how we're going to make money on the back end. Because like some of the really funny cage fight scenes, the stuff that the actors are doing in the background just makes you want to rewind and go, okay, now what's this one doing? Okay, now what was that one doing? Because there's much more... 
activity going on in the background and you can almost see that there is another story playing out in the background with a lot of the bit characters that is never going to surface it's just going to be that thing in the background like the one dude who works at the buy more who's a dj and like his kit keeps getting upgraded from time to time and if you watch you'll see him in the background over in the audio equipment section a lot just like doing stuff like you can see that those ideas are starting to come into the series and that's interesting in that it almost feels like this show is like an early intermediate evolutionary stage between old school serialized television you know you know well not even serialized but old school just you know episodic television and what we'd eventually get with streaming yeah I don't know if you noticed any of that. But. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, especially especially when, you know, we're a couple episodes into season two now. And, and yeah, they, they're going back because you can see where they went back. They reached back into season one and grabbed some of the some of the minutiae and now have brought it forward with more information to go, hey, this little thing wasn't just a little thing. It's actually a clue. Or here's a detail that, you know, means even more. And you can see how that's working out because, you know, the original model was to sell the DVD box set. And now, of course, it's all about the streaming rights. And it's just, it's kind of interesting to watch a show that, you know, is in this kind of intermediary developmental stage between the two and how its content is changing over time because they want you to get the DVDs and watch it again. They, they want people to do what we did and go, oh, Chuck, I loved that show. Here's my $20. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that it, it's, I don't know. I'm kind of fascinated by the history of media and how storytelling changes and evolves over time. And I almost feel like we could do a series on this podcast where we just went through and discussed how we can watch in that show and in several others that process starting to happen because I charmed is very interesting, but on the other, like on the backward side of that, where it starts off extremely episodic and then they realize the power of syndication and getting people to come back every day. So it becomes very hyper serialized. Actually, I think the most distinct one I could think of would be Stargate. Yeah. Because the first several seasons is very episodic, and then you get the season five reboot. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole like more in-depth story that evolves, that runs over multi-season arcs and everything else. And that, that you know, you know, once again was coming out in that time period when that, where there was that transition. And it's that odd thing that doesn't <clears throat> happen anymore because those early seasons were on HBO, where... Mm-hmm. You know, HBO, we're not just television, we're HBO. You know, like, they, they pride themselves on having those more detailed stories now, and they didn't in their original programming to go back. And, well, do we need to even talk about Seafy Channel? Yeah. Because, I mean, they had a gold mine. I mean, just a brilliant show in The Expanse, and just went, well, you're not going to watch it on appointment television like we tell you to, and just, fine. Hmm and tossed it off so that it's now on Amazon prime, you know, like 
it's it's Stargate's a very interesting backwards. Like that's really topsy turvy world where HBO had it and didn't really go as in depth as you thought think that they should have, and then Seafy did. Yeah, because that would never happen nowadays. Like, can you imagine the nightmare if like Game of Thrones went over to Seafy Channel? Like, they'd be fighting oh, Sharknados by season five. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them would be sh- sharks. It would be uh, White Walker Nados. It would spin up in the north. And zombie Nados. Be full of, you know, White Walker Faces and going, nah, 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 yeah. nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would be so bad. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Uh, I. Wow. Okay. So I wanted to actually go into several episodes, but uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I really like having Brian on. I hope we can get him on more episodes in the future, especially the series that we're going to be doing on the Magical Pets. I think you'd have a lot of fun with that. Magical and sci-fi pets. I think that would be right up your alley. I think you'd have fun with that. So maybe I can talk you into coming on the show more. Anywho, if you enjoyed this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do that. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. It really does help, especially in um, Apple Podcasts. Like, it helps a lot over there. Um... If you've got a dollar that you can throw my way down in the show notes or over in the show notes, or if you click the little I, if you're listening in, it's in different places. Sorry, I wish it was simple, but in the show notes, you'll see a link that says community support. If you click that, you can, it'll take you over to anchor. You can join the project at the $1, $5 or $10 levels. And that kind of helps me do just about everything that I do. Um, if you don't have the money or you don't feel like joining right now, that's fine. That's fine. Don't worry about it. I understand. Trust me. Just trust me. I understand. But if you know anybody that you think might like this show, please share it with them. That helps out immensely. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to see discussed on the show, I'm on Twitter more than Brian wants me to be on Twitter. Mm-hmm. No, you can admit it. It's true. I tweet. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, really don't. I really don't. Oh, my. Um, I'm C. Dorset on Twitter. You can find me over there. Or you can go to anchor.fm, download the Anchor app. And once you follow Project Shadow, you see a little button that says voice message. If you click that, please keep it clean so I can use it on the show. But I would love to get more of those so that we can make this our podcast. I apologize to, I think it was Jack. It was G-A-C, I believe. I think there were dots in there. Don't know how it's said. Sorry. Who sent in a message with a couple um, uh, web comics that they would like me to review. I, I'm working on that. I don't have the free time that I want to, to read those, but I am definitely definitely working on it so that will happen but i really want this to be our podcast so please share your ideas and what you would like to see yeah i think that's it oh buy my book crucify my love it's out it's wonderful just search it on amazon or go to crucifymylove.com now nope sorry that's wrong mask of the gods.com 
and you'll find everything there, including a podcast that has me reading the book. So if you don't, if you don't get enough of my voice on this show, you can get more of it reading a creepy love story between two people that probably should have never met. Because <laughs> that's what I do. Anywho, until next time. With zombies and werewolves. There are no werewolves in the book. Okay, not werewolves. I, I would like to say there are no zombies, but <laughs> there, there are walking dead in the book. They're not they're not zombies in a traditional <laughs> manner. They're very uh, non-sectarian zombies. They're, they're, they're just walking dead people. It's kind of like that Rob Zombie song, Living Dead Girl. You know, it's a, there you go. And the, that's my cue. The dog has started playing. Until next time, be like the dog and have the fun. Bye. Bye.